welcome to the Rogue Preparedness Podcast. Now, here's your host, founder and CEO of Rogue Preparedness, Morgan. Hello, hello, everyone. Morgan here. Thank you so much for listening to the Rogue Preparedness Podcast. Before we dive into this topic today, I do want to say that if you're interested in following me other places, I have my website at roguepreparedness.com. I'm on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, and I am also on Patreon if you'd like to support me there for even more exclusive content. And of course, I'm also on YouTube where I'm putting out daily videos. I also have a newsletter where I, um, I send a newsletter once a week. I have ebooks coming out on my website all the time. And I have online courses on my website as well. Um, You can take all this at your own pace, read them all at your own pace, you know, and uh, consume all the content. (laughs) Uh, There's lots to learn. And I hope that you are using this time to really, you know, encourage your your curiosity for knowledge, basically, and, you know, to really um, create habits that are going to follow you well past, um, you know, even after we reopen and everything. Um, and, and, you know, I think right now is a really great time to create those habits, to create, you know, the opportunities to create, you know, new adaptations to life and how life is going to be. And uh, so I really hope that you guys are thinking ahead and uh, thinking how to be more prepared every single day. There is never a bad time to start preparing. Uh, and so I think that, you know, you you need to take this opportunity to still continue to prep and continue to um, better ourselves and our skills and our gear and everything. Okay, so today's topic I want to talk about kind of a real bit kind of back to basics you know what's the best kind of foods to store what how to store it types of spices drink mixes all these other little things that we should and can be storing and how to properly store them as well okay so first of all I want to talk about the types of food the types of food that we want to be storing of course are non-perishable foods but in addition to that we also want to be storing uh, like like powdered foods just add water foods. When I look at um, the the freeze-dried and dehydrated powders and things, you may notice that some of them say it not only takes water, but it may take eggs or it may take um, oil with it as well. I really try to avoid those things because I will most likely be able to get water but I may be out of oil or eggs or things like that, you know? And so what you really want to look for in a lot of, um, a lot of things is just add water stuff. So, you know, I mean, like I said, even with a lot of the freeze dried stuff or dehydrated stuff, a lot of the powdered stuff, you will even see that they may require some additional stuff outside of just water. So really look at the instructions first of all, and make sure that whatever you're picking up, you know how to cook. And this is especially important when we're talking about like raw beans. Raw beans take hours upon hours of resources. It takes like six to eight cups of water. It takes, um, you know, uh, simmering time on a stove. So it takes heat resources. It takes a lot of resources to cook raw beans. It takes a lot of time as well, even if you pre-soak them, even if you soak them in cold water. 
it still takes a lot of time and resources. So um, I really want you guys to consider that and think about how you're going to cook these things. It's not just storing the food and you're just all good to go. You know, like let's let's take, for example, mac and cheese. What if you don't have fresh milk or butter? Do you have powdered milk or powdered butter? Sometimes you could mix the uh, butter. The butter is usually optional, but you do need some type of milk. So do you have buttered milk, condensed milk, um, you know, the canned milk and evaporated milk? I've used both evaporated and condensed milk and they've been fine. Okay. A lot of people think that it's really gross to use condensed milk because it's a little sweeter, but I've used it on mac and cheese and that sweetness actually makes it taste really good. So I've done it and that's why I talk about it and say I do it. And then the people who are like, ew, that's gross. They haven't done it. Okay. So, um, you know, try things out now, uh, to see how it's going to work later. You know, I've, I've tried out the canned milks. I've tried out the powdered milks, you know, with, to make mac and cheese and it all works great. Um, but that's, that's kind of what I'm saying about, uh, preparing and cooking food. You need to know how to prepare and cook these foods, alternative ways outside of the normal ways that we do it. So whatever you're cooking, look at it and say, okay, well, if this takes, you know, milk, how would I substitute this, right? Or if this takes eggs, how would I substitute it? Um, This is especially important in baking, like with breads and things like that. How are we substituting? Or, you know, um, in a lot of the cases, like what's happening right now um, on the the shortage of flour, um, people aren't really thinking about gluten-free flour. They're not thinking about, oh, well, I can just use almond flour, coconut flour, or gluten-free flour. It, it's basically the same. There might be slight adjustments, you know, to measurements or to, to, to ingredients and things like that. But um, there are lots of recipes online about how to use all of these alternatives, how to make bread with gluten-free flour, how to make bread with almond flour, how to make, you know, bread with um, substituting eggs for like, you know, gelatin or substituting eggs for whatever, right? I mean, there are all these substitutes. And so we need to look online now and print out those recipes or get those recipes now and then store whatever substitutes we need to store. Because you may not always have fresh eggs. You may not always have the fresh milk. You may not always have yeast, right? So what are some alternative options that you that don't use yeast, that don't use traditional flour, that, you know, whatever, and everything that you're storing, you're thinking about how you're cooking it, how it needs to be cooked, and alternatives that you may need to cook these things in a crisis in which you don't have access to fresh stuff, right? Okay, so um, what we want to be thinking about next is the type of foods. So we want to think about our comfort. Right now, during this pandemic, the number one thing that I'm hearing from people who are just using their food preps is, I didn't have enough variety. I have screamed it to the rooftops for years. You have to have variety. But preppers are very stubborn. (laughs) Um, People in general, not just preppers, but people are stubborn and they think, you know, no, just beans and rice is fine. You know, that's all the nutrients I need. If you feel this way, I want you to do an experiment for me. I want you to eat just beans and rice for just one week. And then I want you to tell me how you feel. Not just are you full, 
but I want you to tell me your morale. I want you to tell me, you know, just how you're feeling in general, everything. But again, people are learning a lot from this crisis that they need variety. People need variety. Okay. It's very, very important that you have variety in your food storage. And it's so easy to have that variety. It just really is. There are lots of just add water boxed meals. Like there's a lot of just add water, like rice aroni. It's not all just add water, but some of it is just add water. So find the ones that just add water. There's lots of, I've recently found some just add water cornbread and we made it the other day. So good. There's the just add water lobster biscuits, the (laughs) lobster biscuits, the biscuits from, um, lobster. Oh my gosh. I'm forgetting the name, (laughs) the seafood restaurant. For some reason, I'm just totally spacing on the name, but, um, those cheesy biscuits, you can nix the cheese out of it and then just have the biscuits, which is just add water. And those, again, made those the other day. So good. You know, we've been using a lot of our preps. I mean, we've been cooking at home all the time. I think we, when we've gone out a couple times, we've had to get, you know, food a couple times, but really we're trying to avoid it. Even though some restaurants are still open for delivery and takeout and things, we're just trying to avoid it, period. Not only do we not have the money for that, but I feel a little weird, (laughs) you know, like it's a pandemic, you know, are they using proper precautions? You know, I mean, it's just kind of weird. So, um, I'm really trying to avoid having other people make my food right now. Um, anyway, so you know, you, you need to know how to cook as well and cook all this stuff. But, um, I really do highly suggest the freeze dried and dehydrated number 10 cans of meat, the dehydrated buttermilk, dehydrated milk, dehydrated, um, you know, vegetables and fruits and eggs, the freeze dried and dehydrated eggs. Those are really, really good. Um, they sound disgusting, but they're actually really good. I've tried them. They are delicious. Um, cereals and, um, you know, of course, rice, flour, baking powder. Um, and then you want a bunch of spices, uh, noodles. Um, so when you store pasta, you want some sort of sauce with it, right? Um, so look into creative sauces because storing, um, the sauce, like Alfredo sauce and, um, tomato sauce is fine, but they do have shelf lives. They actually have pretty limited shelf lives. Um, you want to make sure that you are rotating those pretty regularly, um, and actually using them just in every day. Uh, but also alternatives would be like, um, an olive oil, a sauce or, you know, using some sort of, you know, other type of sauce, um, you know, with it to, you know, I mean, you got to have something with pasta. You can't just have, you know, mayonnaise is really good. Like if you get mayonnaise packets and some people think that's really gross, but you know, mayonnaise packets with some pasta is really good. Um, you know, and then some seasonings, salt, pepper, you know, like I was saying, you really want those seasonings because, you know, your food is bland. And that's another really big thing that I've heard from pepper preppers. It's not just the variety, but that all my food is bland. I have no spices. I got to get spices. And one thing that you will notice was really um, out in a lot of stores were spices. I was noticing a huge chunk of a bunch of spices were out of stock because people were realizing, oh, I I need spices, (laughs) you know. Um, Soups are really good to store. 
Uh, let's see. You know, um, we need to look through the aisles of cans um, stuff. I know a lot of people don't eat canned foods just in their regular everyday life, but canned foods like canned chicken, canned tuna, the can if you can find canned beef, um, you know, spam is good. Get the spam light if you want, but spam is good. The uh, little individual packets of tuna are really good too. The ones that are already seasoned, those are really good. My daughter loves those. Um, crackers are good to store. Uh, you do want to store those a little bit differently. Otherwise they'll go stale. Uh, store those in a mylar bag with an oxygen absorber. They'll keep much better that way. Um, but yeah, you can store crackers, just open it up, put it in a mylar bag and then put an oxygen absorber and then seal that up. And I'll talk more about mylar bags here in just a little bit. So in addition to, you know, walking up and down the aisles and looking at non-perishable, just add water stuff. Um, so you want the canned stuff, you want the non-perishable foods, and then you want uh, the just add water box stuff, cereals, you know, all these um, different things that we also have to think about. Um, your food does not need to last 50 years. Okay. What we want to think about is rotating. So when we're thinking about our food storage, we do want to make sure that we are storing foods that we eat. Not, you don't have to eat it every day, but at least on a fairly regular basis so that you are using it, you're rotating it, and you're buying new fresh stuff to put in your food storage. And I know this sounds counterproductive, but this is how the rotation process works. You eat a can of beans, right? And then you will go buy another can of beans to replace it or two more cans of beans to replace it, right? Depending on where you are in your food storage goals, right? Um, and so we are constantly rotating it and we're storing foods that we will eat. You know, if you're, if you don't like spam and you're storing spam, why are you doing that? You know, there's no reason. The fact is we are preppers. So prepare Okay, so be prepared for this stuff. Be prepared for eating semi-normally, especially when you have kids, because they are really going to notice a difference in food. So if you suddenly are feeding them, you know, weird stuff that they've never eaten before, it's going to be a really tough time. And, and you know, you can't be a dictator in this situation. Just eat it because I put it on the table. You know, it's already a stressful situation for everybody. So why are you making it more stressful by by eating food and giving food to your children and things that you don't want to eat and they don't want to eat, you're making that situation worse. So store foods that you eat. And I know if you eat a lot of fresh foods, there's a lot of people that are saying that I eat a lot of fresh foods. How do I do this? Canned foods are really not that bad. Okay. Like, especially if you get, um, the ones without salt or without sugar, they're great. And also another thing you could do is just can your own foods, can your own meats, can your own vegetables, can your own fruits, make your own jam, make your own peanut butter, you know, make your own all this stuff, right? It's really easy. It does take a little time, but it's very easy. You know, make your own dehydrated meals. Dehydrating stuff is so easy. You invest in a dehydrator and then you just go wild with dehydrating all the things. Dehydrate herbs, dehydrate fruits, dehydrate vegetables. Uh, there's a great book that I just downloaded um, that's all about dehydrating and I just love it. It has so many great ideas. It tells you exactly how to prepare it because different um, 
fruits and vegetables and whatever they need to be. Some of them need to be cured first, et cetera, et cetera, before putting them. When I first started canning, I I literally just used to throw stuff in. I never used to cure it or anything. And it came out a little weird sometimes, but it was still edible. But, um, you know, you really want to do things the right way just to make sure that they last a long time as well. Uh, dehydrated stuff can last anywhere from one to five years. It just depends on how you're storing it, how you cured it, all this kind of stuff. So a lot of varieties, you know, uh, a lot of variations rather. Um, so dehydrating canyon stuff is a really, really great option. So something else that we can think about is, um, you know, how we are storing this stuff. So like I've been saying, you know, repeatedly how we're storing this stuff is really important. First of all, I think that one of the best ways to store it is in a Mylar bag with an oxygen absorber. You can get Mylar bags on Amazon or eBay, um, bulk bags. I would highly suggest getting the um, gallon size bags and then just cutting down the gallon size bags. A couple things you want to think about. A couple of things you want to think about about when you're um, actually storing food in Mylar bags is... Once you open it, you should be able to reseal it. But not only that, but let's say it's just two people in the household, right? My suggestion would be to make individual serving packages and sizes of the rice or flour, whatever. Make the individual serving sizes, for you and your household. So, you know, if you have a household of four and, you know, you, you know that you use, you know, two cups of rice, then store just two cups of rice in, you know, cut down that Mylar bag and store that two cups of rice in there. So that when you open the bag, you're just opening up that individual package. A lot of people like to store, you know, 10 pounds of rice, you know, all together. But um, you have to keep in mind that when you open it, you need to make sure that you can reseal it. Oxygen absorbers have a one lifetime. When you put that oxygen absorber in there and then you close it up, the oxygen absorber works and it works really well. But as soon as you open it up, it's done. That oxygen absorber cannot be used again. It is already activated. It's already done. When you open up a bag and you need to reseal it, you must put a new oxygen absorber in there because that old one does not work. Okay. So, um, no, and also another thing with oxygen absorbers, a lot of people, this is a big misconception is that they think that the bag should, um, actually compress, but that's not actually going to happen all the time. It may happen, but it's not going to happen all the time. You just want to make sure that it is tightly sealed, but um, seeing it compress does not mean that, you know, seeing it not compress rather doesn't mean that it's not working. It just doesn't work really work that way. Um, So anyway, oxygen absorbers, I highly, highly recommended. Also, one last thing about oxygen absorbers. Um, yeah, oxygen absorbers usually come like in a 10 pack in a Ziploc bag. I mean, sorry, in a vacuum sealed bag. Now, if you're only going to use like five of those oxygen absorbers, you need to immediately. So what you do is you take out the five oxygen absorbers and then you immediately re-vacuum seal those other oxygen absorbers that you're not going to use. Otherwise, 
they will activate and they will not be good anymore. You can't put them in like a Ziploc bag. You have to re actually reseal them in a vacuum seal bag. Otherwise, it doesn't work. The um, oxygen absorbers will essentially go bad and you will not be able to use them. Trust me when I tell you these things, okay? This, this, these are facts about how oxygen absorbers actually work. There's a big misconception about how oxygen absorbers work. And so anyway, I guess my point is if you're using a Mylar bag and oxygen absorbers, really, you know, try to use those single servings or one use. You know, you're going to open the bag, you're going to open the bag and use everything in that bag at that time. You won't have to worry about having extra oxygen absorbers because it'll just, it'll just, it'll be fine and you won't have to worry about it. Now, I would suggest having extra oxygen absorbers just because they're good to have around. You know, you never know, but just make sure that they're properly vacuum sealed immediately before they activate. Like if you take them out, you know, immediately vacuum seal them so that they're not activating and they're still good to go for another time. Um, okay, so Mylar bags. Now, we want to keep those Mylar bags safe from insects, rats, mice, whatever. We want to keep it safe from outside elements, critters, whatever. So I would highly suggest putting the um, Mylar bags inside of either a five-gallon bucket or some type of locking lid tub some type of plastic locking lid tub. They have the um, ones with the black bottoms and the yellow tops. Those are our absolute favorite. They lock down and there's no way for anything to get in there. And we've never had a problem. We've been using them for like six years now. We've never, ever had a problem with anything getting in. I've even stored stuff just willy-nilly in them, you know, food, <laughs> not even in Mylar bags, just thrown in there. And it's been great. They haven't uh, been exposed or anything. So put those Mylar bags in some sort of hard container. And then you want to store those containers inside. You always want to store food inside, inside your home. Try not to store food in hot areas like a garage or a storage shed or anything like that. Um, even freeze-dried and dehydrated foods should really stay indoors uh, just because... They will go bad quicker in hotter temps. Um, they'll be okay, you know, for, they'll still be fine after a long period of time. And that's why I, I use um, mountain house meals and stuff in my car, even in hot and cold weather. But, you know, it'll just extend the life. You know, we eat our mountain houses pretty quickly. Not quickly, but, you know, regularly. So our mountain houses don't last 25 years, you know. But if you're planning on storing something for 25 years, make sure you're storing it in a cool, dry place, you know, basement, uh, root cellar, whatever, stuff like that, or just inside the house somewhere in a closet, you know, away from windows, away from direct sunlight, that kind of thing. So that should prevent critters from getting in. That should prevent it keeping away from all of the elements and that should keep it, um, stored really well and, uh, make sure that you're inventorying it every time that you put stuff away you know, if you put a, a bin away, then write down what was in that bin. Okay, I have, you know, three bags of rice. I have this and that. And also, oh, one last thing about the Mylar bags. Always write what's on the outside. <laughs> Always write what's in the inside on the outside. So get a permanent marker and write, you know, 
of, you know, five pounds of rice or whatever, right? Two cups of rice, whatever is in there, always right on the outside. And if it's a dehydrated meal, write the exact instructions on what to do. Um, you know, how long to rehydrate it for, you know, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever. Always write the contents and any instructions needed on the outside because we may think that we're going to remember, but, you know, sometimes we just don't. So, um, you know, always write instructions and contents on the outside of the Mylar bags. And then when you inventory it, you know, keep that inventory either on your computer, print it out, you know, place it inside of the bucket, you know, or inside of the tub or whatever. So just uh, keep it readily available. Printing it is always a good idea because then you can just immediately, you know, just pick it up. Oh, I got this in here. Great. You know how to ruffle, you know, rustle around in there and, you know, (laughs) what's in here? Um, You know, we want to stay organized with our preps. Okay. So a few last things that I want to talk about with uh, your food storage is um, drink mixes. So I think drink mixes are a really good idea. I would highly suggest keeping around like electrolyte drink mixes uh, and any other type of drink mixes that you might want. You know, Ovaltine is a really big one. Uh, You know, if you like lemonade, you know, store the lemonade. Uh, Coffee, of course, is a big one. Tea. Um, Any other type of drink mixes that you think you might want. A lot of people, you know, they, they have a hard time drinking just straight water. I'm not one of those people. I love water, just straight water. But you know, if you need something to kind of jazz it up, then, you know, make sure to store that. Um, and you know, it's a good morale booster, you know, oh, I, I'm going to drink a little, you know, lemonade, I'm going to squeeze, you know, this, or I'm going to put this lemonade powder in here. Mm -mm -mm. It is good. You know, I really like electrolyte drink mixes. So I can drink my electrolytes. Oh, another one I really like is vitamin or well, vitamins. Yes. But emergency. I love emergency. I drink that almost on a daily basis. And um, yeah, so any type of little drink mixes like that of coffee, those things all store really well just as is. There's really no reason to like specially package it. But uh, if you want to go for it. But, you know, I don't think you have to. Just, again, keep those in a cool, dry place. Drink mixes can actually go bad if they're in really humid environments. So not even a cool place, but just a dry place. Try to keep them in as dry place as possible. So, um, yeah. Uh, Anyway, you know, instant coffee. I love my instant coffee. Those are really good. Uh, any type of instant coffee. There's just several brands out right now. It's not just Starbucks anymore. So in addition to foods and drink mixes, I want to talk about the utensils and tools that we might need. I think it's important to store manual tools, you know, um, spatulas, stirring spoons, um, you know, plates, uh, paper plates, as well as, you know, obviously just reusable plates, but, um, sometimes paper plates are nice and then you could just burn the paper plates, um, or, you know, reuse them if you want. Like sometimes we'll just have some crackers on it and we'll just keep reusing that one plate because whatever, it had just some crumbs on it. Who cares? Um, and then, you know, you'll also want soap and sponges to clean these utensils and, you know, dishes that you use, Um, and then you'll also want, you know, manual can openers and just, you know, manual stuff. So manual stirring devices, you know, what are these 
you know, what electronic devices do you use right now to help you cook or bake? And how could you find the manual equivalent of it, essentially? So like, uh, you know, cheese shredders, I think we all have a manual cheese shredder, but you know, we were actually using our kitchen mixer to shred cheese for a while there. It was amazing. I miss my KitchenAid mixer. doesn't fit here in the RV. Um, all right. So, you know, it's really funny. The other day we actually discovered that you don't have to actually um, put, when it comes to Eggo waffles, I love Eggo waffles. And I was like, we don't have a toaster. You know, that was another thing we couldn't really take with us or power or whatever. Oh, well, we could power it, but we couldn't take it with us. So anyway, a toaster we, uh, I realized the other day that you don't need a toaster. You just need a pan and some butter. You put it in the pan and with some butter on it and you flip it. Oh, it's better than toaster, y'all. You just put some butter on each side and then you just fry it up. It's so good. It's way better than a toaster. Trust me. So good. So you had to think about those alternatives, you know, using your oven more instead of, um, you know, how, how would you cook or reheat or toast things if you couldn't use like a regular toaster or, you know, even if you couldn't use your oven, you know, maybe you'll have to do a fire, you know, what, or just eat it cold, right? You know, put it in the sun to let it, you know, <laughs> defrost or whatever, you know, we have to think of these alternative options, um, to also cook with, um, you know, again, you know, just like, like I was saying with the alternative options, alternative cooking methods as well, you know, like with the fire or with your barbecue or, um, you know, a propane camping stove, all these little things that we have to think of. Look at the way that you cook and what you cook with. And um, also how you clean, you know, you have to clean these things and we have to maintain um, cleanliness, even in an emergency and disaster, right? So, um, anyway, I know that this was kind of like a, I feel like this was kind of a primer. I am planning on releasing a whole online class that has to do with everything food related, but I do have a few articles on my website that talks about it. And I have a bunch of videos on my YouTube that talks about, um, food storage. It talks more in depth about the oxygen absorbers, mylar bags, all that. So if you go to my YouTube at uh, roguepreparedness.com, actually just go to YouTube and search uh, rogue preparedness. It'll be easier that way. Um, and you'll see a bunch of uh, food storage videos. So that'll be good. Um, anyway, uh, I think that's it for food storage, some food ideas. Really just start expanding your mind on food, you know, um, what do you eat regularly and how can you store it? Really do look into the freeze dried and dehydrated stuff. Um, one thing that I've really been thinking about lately in this crisis is, you know, powdered milk just went off the shelves and I haven't seen it in a couple months now. And it really made me realize that I've really taken powdered milk for granted. I never really considered powdered milk a, a staple that I should have, but I am now. And, you know, it's, it's a learning lesson for everybody. And, you know, it's not that I, it's not that I knew that I could get fresh milk. It's that I just didn't think that powdered milk was that big of a deal, but a lot of things take milk and there's nothing wrong with that. You can reconstitute the powdered milk and just use it. 
And also something else that I bought was a whole big canister of powdered cheese <laughs> so that I could just make my, I could just make uh, mac and cheese from scratch. So I have my powdered milk, I have my powdered butter, I have my uh, pasta, and I have my powdered cheese. So now I can just make mac and cheese from scratch. I don't even need a box. <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> it's just thinking outside the box, adapting and figuring out what you need. And it's all a learning experience. Don't be afraid to admit that, wow, I, I wasn't prepared in this aspect and to just get better prepared. We're at a time now where we can still get prepared. It is never too late. Please, if you're new to this or if you're starting out or if you are trying to improve yourself and get better, just do it, okay? Just do the very best you can. Take it step by step and you got this, I promise. And I hope you guys are staying well, staying prepared and staying safe. And uh, I will talk to y'all next week. Thank y'all so much for listening. Conquer tomorrow by preparing today. Talk to y'all later. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Rogue Preparedness Podcast. Ask questions, never stop learning, and stay prepared. Conquer tomorrow by preparing today. See you next week.